This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Energy healing is a way of balancing the flow of energy in the human body and the subtle energy systems. When we experience trauma, grief, loss, or other disturbances toward equilibrium, these experiences get stored as emotions in our systems. These stored emotions can cause blockages by building up and stopping the flow of energy. As humans, we are very adept at storing these buildups of energy in varied and surprising places within us, often expressing as ill health in some way. Radiance has shown Teresa Voigt that when heavy emotions, pain, or trauma is stored in the body, disconnection and disharmony is the result. By accessing these stores of energy, releasing them, and creating space for flow, harmony and balance can begin to be restored. By opening our hearts and surrendering to the liminal spaces within us, change and transformation is possible. It all begins and ends with the heart. In this way, healing becomes an internal search for reclamation of balance and well-being, something that is within reach of all of us. Trusting ourselves to embrace our ability to realize our original blueprints, make the necessary adjustments, and emerge as a new version of our best selves is something we are all capable of. A way of living where we fall in love with ourselves in all the ways. This is the power of radiance. Valeria Tellez interviews Teresa Voigt. She is an energy alchemist and soul coach based in Sydney, Australia. Teresa believes in awakening women to deeply believe in and live their value and worth so they can create a life they are proud and empowered to live. With a bachelor's in adult education and certifications including Reiki Master Teacher, RAW Level 11 Practitioner, Bush Flowers, Meditation, and Energy Healing, she brings all her skills to her sessions. Radiance is the latest iteration of her service and creates pathways for healing, which are multidimensional and transformational. The essence of those she works with guides the frequencies of change as core issues are identified and released gently but powerfully moving them into a state of freedom and flow. Meet Teresa at TeresaVoigt.com. Here's the interview with Teresa Voigt. In your own words, who is Teresa Voigt? Well, let's just start with a small question. I can answer that in in a number of different ways because there are lots of labels that I could use to explain who I am. But underneath all of those labels is a woman who believes fundamentally in the power of love to effect change and create and transform. 
You know, my first question to you, it was about love, and then I changed. That's interesting that you say that. So I'll bring that back. How would you describe what love is as of this moment? Well, I think love exists in different forms, to be honest. I think there's a human understanding of what love is. There's a romantic love. There's a physical love. And then there's a soul love. And then there's a whole other love, which is which is a universal love, which transcends almost anything that we have the ability to fully understand and comprehend. And love is what fuels the universe. It what guides us and it it's our North Star. Would you say the universal love is everything or is in everything? It's both. Mm. I don't know that that can actually be separated out. It is intrinsic to everything. It is love is what we come from. It's home. Love is home. And where we are here in our human life experiences, we feel divorced from love and life is almost a journey home again. It resonates so true to me and I love the way you answered that. It's both, right? Like everything that there is, is both. <laughs> it's the one and it's the two and multiplicity. It's everything. I love that answer. It's the paradox, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And we're here in in a realm of polarity where there are opposites. And that means that we come in at one end of that spectrum. And if the end that we come in at is forgetting that we are love, then life becomes a journey to the other end of that spectrum. Wow. How did you come to this wisdom, Teresa? This, <laughs> this deep understanding. <laughs> I do sound wise, don't I? You do, you do. I think it's because I see my place on that spectrum. I've seen the and experienced the absence of love. And I remember the moment when I made a conscious choice not to continue to exist and experience my life in that space. And then it became that journey, the pathway, all the pathways to find a way home. And the closer I got, the more steps that I took on that path, the more something in me began to open. And it was that realization step by step. And at times it was not easy. It was <laughs> arduous at times. But the realization that that love was me. Mm. So it became a journey home. That is such a, a wonderful experience to have, isn't it? If if we can call it an experience with that in mind, the question that comes to me is, how do you express this deeper understanding of yourself and life itself on a moment-to-moment basis? How would you describe this experience? Uh, well, that's that's the tricky part, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> it is. And, and part of, I think, that journey on that spectrum, on that pathway of, of coming home again, is moving through all the resistance, you know, whether that's beliefs, whether it's things that I've absorbed from other people, it's behaviours, it's feeling safe to express something that to me was a massive realisation, you know, one of those big aha moments of Oprah, you know, and, and feeling safe enough to 
show that to the world and not be judged. Or if I am judged, to be okay with being judged. Understanding that not everyone else will view me the same way and that's fine. And not expecting them to accept it either if it doesn't resonate for them. So there's a lot about allowing others to be who they are as who I am continues to unfold moment by moment. Yeah, that resonates true to me. It's being open to life, isn't it? Accepting everything, ourselves first, what's happening here, and then expanding that. It is. Right, out there. It is. I had, um, I might digress ever so slightly, but I had uh, a moment in meditation many years ago when I was shown a beautiful swan in a pond And I was looking at it through the eyes of a little girl and I was looking at that swan and the swan came up to me and it was was the king of its pond and it told me that there were, this was everything, there was nothing else. And then an eagle flew down and asked me to climb on its back and it took me up above the pond and as I got higher, I could see that there was another pond just on the other side of the reeds. And there was a swan in that pond as well. But those swans couldn't see each other. And then the eagle took me higher and higher and higher until I could see that there was nothing but ponds with swans in them. And yet they all existed, they believed, on their own and in isolation. And then as I got even higher, I I was able to see through the earth and I could see the waterways And I could see that all the ponds were actually connected. And it was, again, one of those Oprah aha moments for me. And it was, no matter what's in front of me, there are layers and layers of connection that while it might be just out of awareness, just out of my vision, you know, just out of my ability to touch it and experience it, doesn't mean it's not there. And holding that awareness allows me to move on this spectrum, on this pathway, with a lot more grace, Mm. I think. A lot of times I wonder with the intellect, of course, what is the purpose of the human experience? As you said earlier, it's to forget and then to remember. So would you say it's just to have the experience of experiencing love is because without the body, we can't do that, right, Teresa? Or, Or maybe we can, not sure. So what would you say is the purpose of the human experience. Why are we here as a whole? Oh, you love asking the big questions, don't you? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to answer that maybe in a couple of different ways. One, I think that from my experience working with people and my own unfolding nature, I believe that we all have a soul frequency, something that is unique and individual to each of us, And that soul frequency wants to be expressed through the human experience. And it is a little different for each of us. And some of us, you know, we we call that our soul purpose or our path. But purpose and path are different things. You know, our purpose is the alignment with the soul frequency. But the path is how we get busy doing that. So... The big question of the purpose of of our human experience is to move further and further into alignment with our own soul's frequency, however that might look for each of us. But then we have our path. 
And that's how we get busy doing that. And often people focus on the path and not give enough value to the purpose and the frequency. Are we ever there in a sense of completing this cycle of becoming the embodiment of love on earth? Or do we keep coming back with different purposes? I think that it's like a shopping trolley. Our soul goes shopping in the supermarket of soul, <laughs> whatever it is. And and each time it comes in with a slightly different assortment of items in our trolley. And, and that becomes our soul frequency. And we spend our life unpacking that trolley. Uh, so each time we come, we've got slightly different things to unpack and experience. Or it might be that we come back with exactly the same trolley over and over again. But wow, we can put those things together in so many different ways, can't we? Mm, so true. Right? <laughs> you know? So if if we're here to simply return to our true nature, to our true essence, which is love, our souls are love, then let's have fun doing that. Let's unpack those trolleys in all the ways that we can. And we will come in with that trolley on a spectrum of experiences, good, bad, and everything in between. But our soul doesn't differentiate between the ends of the spectrum of experience. It's simply all experience, right? And it's our human nature that ascribes whether it's good or bad or, or whatever it is in between. That's the judgment of our experience. But it's through that judgment we then get to choose a different pathway, I love the idea that we can have fun while doing this, while in the search, right, Teresa? Yeah, but is, isn't that part of the human experience that we're in? We are in a dimension that is based in polarity. It's based in opposing forces. So we can choose fun or we can choose, you know, struggle. It's part of the choices we make to, to move along that spectrum of experience. And it's sometimes we forget that it's available as an option. One of my initial questions was about being a woman. I know that you work with women and you host, you call them women's circles. Yes. You say, I really believe in awakening women to deeply believe in and live their value and worth so they can create a life they are proud and empowered to live. Talk to me for a moment about helping to guide women to enlighten their own lives. How did that come to be? Why just women? The short answer is because I'm a woman. <laughs> yes. And it was the absence of all of that in my own life that that made me wake up to the realization that there is another way for me to move through this world. And it's a way that is more connected to me, to my own truth, my own authenticity, and not have my life defined by other people's expectations or judgments. And I, you know, I'm 58 and my mother was of a particular generation where women had certain roles and were seen a certain way. And even though she tried to break out of that role herself, there was a huge consequence for her for that. So I was raised in a very particular way. But the older that I got, <laughs> the more that didn't work for me. 
And the more I had a voice that wanted to be heard, and it wasn't a voice that necessarily fitted in the box that I had been given. So I, I got to a point where I realized if I feel this way, how many other women are existing in a box not of their own making? And how do they get out of that? How do they have the courage to say and to show the world that that box doesn't fit them anymore? And how do they do that? And feel safe in the process. Where do you host these uh, women's circles, Teresa? And how do they work? I would love uh, well, to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they're, they're all hosted online. And uh, thanks to COVID, um, everything moved online. Uh, and I moved circles online as well. And they work in that they are women coming together for a set number of weeks where I hold the space and we guide them. I guide them through each circle has a theme and I simply guide them through coming home to themselves, clearing the way so that coming home becomes more graceful. And the way that I define grace is the absence of anything unnecessary. So if we want to find our way home to ourselves, we want to do it without all the baggage. The things that are not necessary or are not necessary any longer, but that we've held on to anyway. So the circles are a very, very safe space where they have individual experiences that I guide them through, but we do it as a group. So it's transformative and it allows for a particular level of growth and change that is incredibly loving. You know, there, there's something really magical about women holding space for women, you know, whether it's around the kitchen table, it's at the mm -hmm. coffee shop, it's it's wherever it is, right? In, in the ladies' bathroom, <laughs> we do it all the time. Yeah. Right? But there's, yeah. we do it so naturally. You know, we want to hold space for each other. So when we formalize that, you get permission. You get permission to go deeper, to go further, and to understand more than you can on your own. Do you also use some of the uh, energy healing techniques you know? I do. I do. It's, uh, I'm, a, I'm an energy healer. I'm also a channel. Uh, and so a lot of the information and spiritual teachings that are brought forward in circles are channeled. And it means that it's also very responsive to the women's needs in that moment. So every circle is unique, depending on the women and the theme that we have going on and where they're all at in that moment. So it's incredibly responsive, which I love, I have to say. Just for those who don't understand what channeling means, can you please talk to me a bit more about that, Teresa, when you say channel? What is the source of the information that you access in the moment? Do you know, or this is something that's is coming no, from I, the unknown? No, I absolutely know. And <laughs> what I channel is love. It's a particular frequency. It's that the way that it's been described to me when I've asked, um, you know, and I remember the first time this different frequency came through me and it was like, well, what the heck is this? And, you know, who are you or what's going on? And what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and 
this incredible feeling like a wave, very gentle, loving wave washed over me. And I was told we are the closest thing to source energy that you can experience. We are love. And it was through that experience that I began to understand to be so far more multidimensional than I'd understood it before. So when I'm channeling, I'm channeling love and it comes through as one voice and my own team of guides are part of that. And in the circle itself, the circle is held by everyone's guides. There's an ancestral energy. There's an earth energy that holds that space with me. And I have all of that available to me to bring through if that's what the ladies need in the time. It depends on what it needs in that moment. I love that. Yeah, it's very responsive. That I'm not one to bring information forward that I've said a hundred times before. That doesn't necessarily serve people. They need something that's in response to what they're going through right now. And so the information will be, I guess, tailored in a way, if you like, to, to that need. How do you define spirituality these days or today in this moment? <laughs> oh, I think spirituality has become a catchphrase. And I think the true meaning of spirituality is something that is quite unique to everybody, um, but it's become overused and therefore devalued to a large extent. And in the past, spirituality was a, a, an, you know, ascribing to a particular faith or religion, and that was how spirituality was expressed. And then it became more new age, and it it became... There's a word that people use, which is woo-woo, which I find so demeaning to the energies that people are working with because the energies people are awakening to are their own energies. And it's not woo-woo. It's not something to be made fun of or derided. And spirituality becomes the unfolding awareness of our own soul as it is present here in this human experience. So spirituality is our pathway. It's our journey. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense <laughs> yes. to me. Yeah, of course, Teresa. So it's what's happening now. This is the, the path, which means this is the way to love. However, it is happening. However. Oh, I it love is, exactly. That. And look, yeah. in, in 10, 20, 50, 100 years, somebody will describe spirituality as something quite different because we will have evolved, you know, and we are in constant evolution and time is speeding up. Our experience of time is quickening. And so the way we are evolving, the rate at which we are evolving is also quickening. Mm, so, so our true. awareness, our understanding, everything is just happening so quickly. And sometimes people feel like they're playing catch-up and they go into overwhelm with that. So in the moment, spirituality is what it is to you. And we are in a space in time where it doesn't have to be one collective definition. It can be individual. And I think that's really special and beautiful because that's what we need right now. We need to understand... As individuals, we don't have to be like everyone else. And that's the way we go home. 
Thank you for saying that. It's a beautiful reminder, though, because we do tend to forget. It's interesting how quick we can forget that. Well, we do. And I think there's there's a paradox in the whole thing. The irony, you know, is that we come in as souls and we come from home, if you like, and and we come here and we feel so cut off, so separate, and we spend our life finding where we belong. And we've been, you know, and again, this is a slight cliche, but home is within us. And when we begin to realize home is inside us, we actually find that level of connection outside of us that we've been seeking all along. I have another open question for you, Teresa. It is about healing. What is healing to you and what are some of the obstacles to healing? Oh, let's start with the obstacles. Yeah, yeah right. So <laughs> uh, because... Oh, it can. There are so many obstacles. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and and I think the biggest obstacle is our belief that we can't change, that we can't heal. And healing is letting go, releasing, and transforming. Whether that's physical manifestations of illness, whether it's a belief, whether it's a behaviour, could be a habit could even be an addiction, could be the way that we think. You know, we can heal and apply change to anything in our lives, but we have to want to do it, you know. And when we think of healing, we do go to, well, who will I be without this? And initially it's a bit of a Disney movie that we see, you know, well, without this it'll be, you know, rainbows and unicorns and you know, I'll hear an orchestra playing somewhere off in the distance um, as, as you know, trumpets blare as they celebrate my change. Um, but then the reality kicks in or what we think is reality and it will be, oh, wow, well, if I do change, if I let go of that illness, if I change my physical appearance, if I lose weight, if I gain weight, if I change jobs, if I move countries, if I do whatever, if I start expressing myself differently will people accept me? And that becomes scary and it feels unsafe. And so often the obstacle to that change, to that healing process will be needing safety. And so often we will choose not to heal because it's easier and more comfortable to stay in what's very familiar to us, even if it's dysfunctional. There is a a sense of what you said, so true, holding on to what we know And that feels comfortable and safe. So even if it is painful, isn't it funny? It is, but it's how we identify ourselves as the person who is this, who has this, who does this, who believes this, who thinks a certain way, who has a certain group of friends who all think and behave the same way, you know. And it it takes a lot of courage to actually say, I'm not sure that that's healthy for me. And I want to heal the reasons why I believe that's where I should be, that I think that's where I belong, you know. And there's a phrase that I often use with my clients, which is, let's raise the bar, you know, and it's understanding why it was set so low. Because if there's a core part of you that knows it's too low and yet you're choosing to stay there for safety anyway, why on earth was it set so low? Mm. Right. right. And did you set it? Did somebody else set it? You know, 
And these, this is the process of unpacking the reasons why we won't heal, why we won't change. That's the resistance. So fear, it plays a huge role. And then on the other side, trust will play another huge role in change and transformation. Absolutely. It's the desire to belong, you know, and sometimes, you know, remembering that we're on a life experience that's a spectrum, we might choose to belong in a place that hurts us because it feels safe and familiar. And it takes courage to move along that spectrum to other experiences that won't hurt us so much, that allows us to express more of who we are. That sounds almost like a, a prayer to me, that beautiful desire from the heart to see other human beings living, experiencing life this way. It is, and it, it's frightening, you know, because when, you know, we've got all the universal laws that kick in here and apply, um, you know, we we find our match in the world. And when, you know, we often find that we'll have a group of friends and somebody will say, you know, hey, where did, you know, Mary go? We haven't seen her for a while because she's no longer matching that group. And when somebody changes, the people that are still where they were will react differently to that change. And some will go, you know, I don't know what she's doing, but she's so happy maybe I should go join her there, right? And others will go, I don't get it, but she's happy and that's enough for me. And then others will go, I don't understand what she's doing. And they will actively engage with her to bring her back where they are comfortable with her change, right? So when you you do that separation out, there's a transitional phase where you've got to get really comfy and strong in your new space, with the new expression of who you are. And that then creates a new point of attraction for different people. So true. So some say that all healing is self-healing. It kind of makes sense to me that, Teresa, since everything's connected, right? So we are constantly affecting one another. Um, well, we are. And I believe it is self-healing. And it's the ripple effect of that self-healing that then applies to everyone else. And some will be in resistance to somebody else's healing journey. And other people might absolutely embrace it and shift their own vibration so that they move into a similar healing vibration. It seems almost like as a, it is the ultimate secret, but it's not a secret. It's something that is truth that was never uncovered, never hidden. It's always here that we are love, that we are already free in a sense. But some of us cannot see that. That fascinates me. Oh, I look, it fascinates me as well, you know, but it's, we all look at the world through our own filters and we all have different filters, right? And that's what makes the world exactly what it is, all these different filters. But it's about allowing people to have those filters because that gives us permission to have our own as well. Allowing life to be life, isn't it? It is. Out and it doesn't mean here. yeah, it doesn't mean that we necessarily approve or agree with everything that other people say or do or think or the way they behave. But the, I remember reading some time ago that there's um an African tribe that when one member of the tribe did something that hurt somebody in the tribe or behaved in a way that wasn't accepted 
by the tribe, instead of having a judge and a jury, right, and punishing the person, they put them in the middle and they all stood around them in a circle and they sang their soul song to them, Mm. reminding them of Mm. who they are. Mm. And it's the raising the bar. It's like you just lowered the bar for a bit, bring it up higher again, remember who you are, remember that you are better and you are more than what you showed just then. And I think that's such a beautiful way to deal with people who dropped the ball a bit. I love that. Uh, What a beautiful story, right? Reminding others to return to the heart, to love in a very kind way. Yeah, in a loving way. Yeah, it's heart to heart. You know, it's the we see you. And the more we see you and show you who you are, the more you'll remember who you are as well. You also wrote a chapter in a book titled The World of Energy Healing that was published by Energy Healing Magazine. And the chapter was titled, is titled Radiance Healing, The Pathway of Intuitive Love. So talk to me for a moment about that. How did you find this radiance healing? The word itself carries a lot of uh, energy in a sense of um, it's very vibrant and it's very beautiful just to even look at it or to speak the word. How did you meet this energy, it's, this type of energy? It's, um, it's the same energy that I channel. It's the, uh, it's the love energy. And I, I really sat for a long time trying to find a label for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some way to talk about it that people would be able to recognize it and know it when when I brought it through for them in the healing process. And the word that kept coming up in my mind over and over again was radiance Um, because when I bring the energy through, it feels radiant. It radiates through every part of me. My clients feel it in them radiating as well. It's a living, moving energy within them that's so tangible. And radiance was the right word to describe something that is simply an energy, a frequency. So that's how we came with the name. Um, But it came initially in a session. I had an excruciating pain in my heart, actually, and it continued for months And it took quite some doing, but I eventually worked out that it was the energy trying to come through my heart. And my own heart space was not a vibrational match for this love energy. And so the love was trying to come through and it was over and over again transforming my own heart frequency so that it was a match. And once it became a match, the energy now flows through without any effort at all. But it took a lot of doing. And that that was a moment, realising that, what do you mean my heart space isn't attuned to love? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes <laughs> hang <right>. on. <laughs> that, that took a lot of cups of tea to get through, I can tell you. Um, but it, it's that understanding that it is, this love is so multidimensional by nature 
and the love that was wanting to come through me that was so healing and transformative was such a high frequency that I had to, I guess, level up in a way to be that channel for it to come through so that it could do the work it needs to do. I do have very slightly now a pain in my heart like I have had for the last Uh, three years. I mean, it has been a long time and now it's going away. So it's funny that you say that, that you share that. Nobody has shared that before. And I I don't think I have Uh, shared with anybody. Well, I I did the whole thing. I went to the doctor. I had, you know, the CT scans on my heart. I think, do I have a heart problem? What's going on? Uh, And everything kept coming back. No, everything's fine. And I'm going, well, but there's pain. So something's (laughs) not quite right. But it was the recognition that it was a mismatch of frequency and that the love was not going to downgrade. So I had to upgrade to be a match for it, to be, to bring it through. And in order to do that, my, all the stuff that I had piled into my heart that I thought if I put it there, I'll never have to deal with it. All of that had to be unpacked. So there was a lot of healing, right? All the resistance that I was holding on to for this love to come through me, I had to work through all of that so that the love could come in. How incredible. Yeah, that resonates very much true because it has been the experience here too with the heart pain. And I always trusted and I never really done anything when it comes to conventional medicine because yeah. I trusted that you tried yeah. to show well, us Well, our, our heart is a pathway. It's a direct channel to source, to home, if you like. And through our human life, that channel, that portal, that pathway gets clogged up just through life experiences. And we have so many little heart hurts that we gather along the way. And it closes that channel up. So through the work that you're doing, you're opening up your heart. And I suspect that every conversation that you have clears a little something more in your (laughs) own heart space, allowing more love to come through, which means that you in turn have, have more space available to you to hold these loving conversations with others. Mm, So it's very symbiotic, right? Yeah, right. Like... Life is nurturing and supporting itself because that's what I see. How amazing. Absolutely. Look, when, when a baby is being formed in utero, the heart is the first organ and there are neural pathways that run one way from the heart to the brain. So our heart informs our brain. And if we are piling a whole lot of heart hurts in there, we are blocking the flow, that intuitive flow, the intrinsic flow of our soul energy from our heart to the rest of our being. And this is something that has been actually researched, right? Yes, The heart-mind connection, right? Absolutely. Heart Math Institute has done so much work on this and we can measure the magnetic field of our heart. You know, and when we are sensitized with our hands, we can feel our heart field. 
You know, so when we're doing our healing work, when you're having conversations, I suspect your own heart yeah. is vibrating like crazy <laughs> as you yes, are expanding right. to hold that space, right? So much that I call doing this my sacred moments. These are my sacred space. Ah, well, that's beautiful because you are your most authentic self when you are working through your heart. Thank you for saying that, Teresa. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is, You're very welcome. Yeah, I never thought somebody would share, you know, the same experience that I have been having. You are an energy alchemist, soul coach, contemporary mystic. What is the best way to contact you, to work with you, to find you? Uh, probably the most direct way is straight through my website, TeresaVoigt.com. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, um, Teresa Voigt, Higher Love. You'll find me there. And I'm also a teacher on Insight Timer. So there's a few ways that you can get in touch with me really easily. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else, Teresa, that we didn't? Any other messages or um, insights, anything else? I would like to share for those listening that if they have any doubt that love is available to them, I would like them to hear the message that that is a false belief because love is part of them. It's their DNA. It's a cellular frequency that runs through every part of their being. And if they are experiencing an absence of love in their life, it's because they're not looking inside themselves first. So I would say to people, look there, my darling, find the love inside, and then you'll start to see it around you. Yes, a trillion times to that truth. Thank you so much, Teresa, for saying that again. Beautiful reminder. What do you love most about being in a human body or being the human body? <laughs> I love that I get to fall in love with myself lifetime after lifetime because I come in not in love with myself because I don't recognize love inside me initially. And then it's this very gradual unfolding, this remembering. And it's like falling in love with myself over and over again. I think it is the most beautiful and magical experience that I have. And it sounds like an experience that, um, yeah, it is wonderful for all of us, isn't it? It is. You know, it's faults and all. You know, we are, what's that line? We are perfectly imperfect and it's falling in love with all of it, regardless, without judgment. Just the fact that we woke up and got up this morning, loving all of it. That's interesting you say that too. I just woke up this morning, think this way. I'm up. I'm here. How interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Life is an adventure as we find our way home. Right. And we did talk about, I just thought for a moment about gratitude and appreciation because we talked off yes. record. I would love to hear the ideas you have about gratitude and appreciation. Well, to me, they hold a different frequency because when we're in gratitude for something, we're saying thank you for something we've received. But when we're in appreciation, uh, we don't necessarily have to have received it. Mm. It doesn't have to be mm. about us. 
you know. I mean, I can be in gratitude, you know, that the sun came up, that my family are well, you know, all of these things. But I do I necessarily appreciate that? I have to work to sit in that appreciation state, you know. And, you know, am I grateful that there's a very good-looking workman, he's a carpenter, who's working on the roof of the house two doors down? Um, I'm not particularly grateful for that, but, gosh, I can appreciate it, you know, because yeah. that, that enhances my life when I look out my window. You know, they're, they're different states of being, you yeah. know, and there's a place for both of them. Thank you again, Teresa, for everything that you are, for this beautiful, deep wisdom. I mean, the truth, really, that you are open to receive and share and let it flow through you the way you do with so much grace. Thank you so much for being you again. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every moment of the conversation. I could talk to you for hours. I know, me too. (laughs) But before we say goodbye, I do want to ask you the same question, kind of, as I did before about information about you. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, the women's circles that you host? What is the best place to find you? Uh, the best place is to go directly to my website, theresavoit.com. All the information is on there that you would need. Uh, and there are direct links to get in touch with me there as well. Wonderful. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Teresa. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Teresa Voigt and her work, please visit TeresaVoigt.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.